guilty because if I fail, that means I fail for my entire female nation, I call it. <laughs> is that possible? That was a question for myself. And it is absolutely possible. Good afternoon, Australia. Good evening, America, and welcome to everyone listening across the planet today. This is the Everyday Business Show, and I'm your host, Tony Lontis. Just a reminder, if you're listening live on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, or Twitter, Payo is ready, waiting, and listening to provide all the links to anything that we talk about on the show today, particularly the links to get in touch with our amazing guest who I'll be introducing you to in a little moment. If you're watching this show on replay on Binge, Hero Go, Tony TV, um, from your smart TV, description notes will contain the links. If that is not enough for you, please jump on to TonyLontis.com where you'll find under the co-host and guest section information about each and every one of our guests that we feature on their show, plus their links and how to connect with them. Now, we've been doing something different this year and I'm going to continue with that and that is our Welcome to Country and it's an international movement that acknowledges the special and important role that Indigenous communities play in the development of a country's cultural identity and it's incredibly important for us to keep doing this and recognise our Indigenous elders from past and present. So I want to respectfully acknowledge the people of the Yugamba language region which sits on the Gold Coast, Queensland, Australia, the traditional owners of the land on which we meet and pay my respects to the elders past and present and all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people here today listening. Now we have a gorgeous young man with us today and who it's my privilege to have spent many conversations with and he's a special guest today and this is what you need to know but before I talk to you about Matthew I want to issue a trigger warning because the subject that we're talking about today is close to a lot of people's hearts so please if this causes any issues for you I want you to immediately reach out and talk to someone because that's the most important thing that you can do. Now our interview today is what would you do with a second chance at life? Now, Matthew is a youth advocate, suicide survivor, and mental fitness facilitator. Up until the age of 12, Matt lived a very typical life for a child in the city of Sydney. He had a great family, lots of friends, and a comforting neighborhood. But then everything changed drastically. Matthew began to question his self-worth, his self-image, and whether he even brought value to the world. As the tentacles of depression embedded in his life, his worthlessness increased and he struggled with these emotions by himself. He bottled them up inside and kept them within. This led him on a path of destruction with drug use and at the age of 16, he decided that enough was enough and he attempted suicide to end the pain and suffering that he was feeling. Thankfully, 
for us, Matt was unsuccessful and instead woke up in the spinal cord injury unit of the hospital, unable to walk and confined to a wheelchair. We say thankfully because we now get to chat to this amazing, beautiful young man. Matt's mission is to inform, inspire and influence millions of mindsets and for them to improve their quality of life. His goal is to facilitate a person towards transforming adversity into an advantage through the power of self-awareness, values and authenticity. Welcome to the show, Matt. It's great to be here. Thank you very much for that wonderful introduction. I've never been introduced in quite a manner. <laughs> oh, that's fine. It's my pleasure to have you here. And I have to say that I'm really grateful and gracious that you're um, enabling us to have this powerful conversation today because I think it's one that we need to continually have. And it takes an incredibly brave young man to appear live on air and talk about something so traumatic and so triggering for you as well, Matt. So I want to go back to that moment when you thought that, okay, enough's enough, I can't do this anymore, and you ended up, instead of entering eternity, you ended up in a hospital bed. Do you remember much of that initial time after you woke up? After I woke up, it was quite a blur. I was yeah. heavily medicated in ICU, just, you know, I remember very, very, like, like I don't even know what the word is, like just vague moments. Blurry. But, yeah, blurry, yeah. The main thing I remember, though, was this one thought that I just had day in, day out, and this lingered all the way through hospital and, and beyond. Because oh. if I was worthless beforehand and if that's what brought me to try to end my own life, how pathetic was I now for the fact that I had failed? Oh, the one thing Matt. I wanted to, to do. Matt, so were you able to talk to someone? Obviously, you were incredibly ill. The fact that you were in ICU, and I'm guessing from my nurse perspective, you would have been intubated for a reasonable amount of time. And so I'm thinking that when you were eventually not intubated, and when I say intubated, that's breathing uh, tubes down your throat mm -hmm. and doing your breathing yep. for you. Um, and I'm assuming that your family were pretty close around you by that stage. Mm -hmm. What were some of the first things that you talked about and was help immediately available to start working on some of the thoughts that were running through your head was that one of the first things that happened or were they still really focused on keeping you alive at that point it was really about keeping me alive from what i remember yeah. initially though it was when i got into the spinal ward so this is after a month of icu yes. that's when like support was and i mean like heavily around me the Good. Like, don't get me wrong, I started support back in ICU and all this other stuff. And yeah. hey, hell, I mean, one of the big, I would say the biggest support I had at the time was um, people were gifting me CDs. I used to love music and I still do. It's a big part yeah. of my life. Yeah. And to have like 
you know, Dark Side of the Moon playing in the background or um, <laughs> all these other yeah. bands that I used to, like, listen to, right? Um, yeah, like, that was the biggest thing. It was funny. Uh, <laughs> one, um, there's one album that I used to listen to before my injury every single day, and yes. my family knew it. It was Illy Cinematic, and they played the song uh, Tightrope, and apparently I'm... <laughs> I'm laying in bed, like I'm not even awake, whatever. But I start mouthing the words to the song. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> perfect time. I'm like, what's going? On? I, I, I obviously don't remember it, but just hearing that, it's just crazy. Yes, yes. <laughs> and obviously that was helpful to try and sort of anchor you back into reality as well. It was good that your family knew that, and that I'm guessing music was actually very instrumental in starting to get you well again it was a seriously big part i was very very blessed as well i had a great friend who now this is what because i i broke both my wrists like i've got yes like ouch injuries yes. like you can barely see it on camera i know i know marks. look at that <laughs> i don't know if you can <laughs> see that it's it's wonky it's yeah i get it <laughs> but yeah i um i so after my wrist had healed, like like yes. just a slight bit more, where I was now off the cast and I was on the splints, okay. one of my good friends gifted me an acoustic guitar, <gasps> and this guitar I still have to this day. It's the it was the ah uh, like nothing meant more to me at the time, and still to this day I, I really hold it close to me because yeah. just being able to play that again yes. just brought a level of life that I felt Back like I lost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the thing is, too, that that um, process of um, playing the guitar is actually really good uh, physio and rehab for those broken wrists. <laughs> it was, oh, don't get me wrong, it was painful, but hey. Oh, gosh, that, yes. Like, it yes. didn't matter. I was playing guitar. like. <laughs> That's awesome. Awesome. Um, I'm wondering if you remember how your family reacted um, I'm guessing that from their perspective, and I know that we've talked about this before and you said that it was retrospective. You didn't actually realise at the time what they were going through or what they were thinking. It was in subsequent conversations as you healed and got better that you realised how they reacted and, and what they felt. Can you talk about that, Matt? For sure, yeah. I want to just preframe this as well with my yes. attempt and everything. So... I've been feeling depressed at this stage for four years and yeah. no one in my family knew about it. Yes. And to the world, I, I basically looked quote unquote perfect. I posted this image online. I wanted to show off and all that stuff. And mm -hmm. the night I attempted was the night before we were supposed to go on a family holiday. So oh. my family have woken up in the morning, excited to go like, Hey, I'm going to go down South. We're going to go mm. stay by the beach for a week. It's going to be a beautiful experience, a great time to connect and get closer, spend time yeah. with one another. Yeah. And then they wake up and the son's not home, but not only really is the son not home, but he's, he's going to try to end his own life. Ew. Yeah. So that was a rude shock. And like, just even just explain, sharing that today, just, I really like, I can't picture what it would be like to be in those in that position. Yeah. Though afterwards, their immediate reaction to me was just to keep me really close. I just, yes. Like, yes. It, it almost like latch on because yes. 
they didn't know how to respond. It was such a shock. They hadn't, mm-hmm. My family hadn't dealt with suicide in the past. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, they, they just wanted to keep me close. And yeah, immediately I started to see that they treated me differently and I actually didn't, didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but when you notice that, you start to build a resistance and almost resentment towards that person. Yeah. But I... That's a normal reaction for them. It is, though. But it, it just is, makes yeah. it harder for you uh, in that space. You, and... still f- you still feel like the same person. Yeah. That doesn't change. But mm. they, um, yeah, they just want to adapt because they're coming from a place of love. Mm. That That's all it is. Matt, one of the things that I wanted to try and talk about with your permission today is that around depression and teenagers. Um, And I know that my depression started in my teenage years and I would never have talked to anyone about it and, in fact, didn't talk to anyone about it until my 40s. And I want to know your thoughts around how we connect with our teenagers and actually get to understand what's going on in that mind of of theirs because, as you said, you presented as happy and and that everything was fine, but underneath there were those deeply loathing, dark, horrible thoughts. What do you think about that now from um, your experience and what do you suggest for people listening to make sure they connect with their teenagers in a way that ensures that they're discussing some of those feelings that they might be experiencing? Mm. The first, the first part to that question is, I was just in a space where I, I didn't know I, when I first became depressed. I didn't know how to mm. talk about these things. When I was first yeah. in that down at that low, that low spot, no one had these conversations. So, no. and if someone was upset, they kept to themselves, they distanced, they backed off, and no one would approach them. So, mm-hmm. I had no idea about how to address these like emotions yes. and. And I don't want to go against the norm, obviously. Everyone else is this way, so I'm going to be that way as well. Yeah. But one thing that I think is really key, and I think everyone listening and even yourself, Tony, could relate to this, is when you're talking to someone, you know straight away when they're not listening to you. Mm-hmm. It's it's obvious. And yeah. if you're making yourself vulnerable in that moment and you see them looking at their phone, they're on their like or their or their watch, they're you know scrolling through Facebook and you're opening up, you're not gonna feel very good. Nope. And I I think whether this is you making yourself vulnerable, you're sharing something great, it doesn't matter. If you are with someone, be with them. And when I say be with them, I'm gonna just dive a little bit into listening. Please. Because this is something so overlooked. It sounds simple, listening's common sense. Okay, if you're physically with that person. Give them your complete physical presence. Don't try not to distract yourself, fidget, not stuff. Try to be with them. That's physically. Mentally, put all your attention, focus. On that person. Listen. Yeah, exactly. Take in what they're saying. Mm. And then lastly, emotionally. Be emotionally present. Mm. Try to put yourself in their shoes and understand maybe why they're experiencing the way. Like, like why they're feeling the way they're feeling, whether it's something good, 
bad, it doesn't doesn't matter. Mm. All what what it's about is being there with that person, being present. And by being present, they're going to feel a sense of connection because by being physically, mentally, and emotionally present, you're also showing empathy in that moment because now you're understanding them. And if they feel understood, they feel heard, they're going to feel a sense of not only connection but support. Mm-hmm. And when they feel that, that creates a space now where they're more comfortable to open up, share, and connect deeply with you. That's what meaningful connection starts at. Yeah. And, Matt, it's actually um, part of the reason why you and I are having this conversation is also so that people are aware that some of the most depressed and suicidal people in the world will present as being happy-go-lucky, everything's okay. Uh, That's the the dichotomy of the whole situation, that they may indeed be high-functioning, highly successful people in their own right, but in the dark, deep recesses of their mind and in their quiet times, there's an issue with depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts. And so what you're saying is we need to be really present to catch those moments when we might be able to save a life. Yeah? Absolutely. If we're distracting ourselves constantly, we're going to miss it. And if we miss something, that could be a serious sign. Yeah. And if we catch it, we could potentially save a life. Absolutely. Like that, it's, it's just to go back to in, in, almost like my story too, like, Yes. The day I, I the night I jumped like that day leading up, there were many signs, yes. many signs. Yeah, can you tell us about that? From like obviously, again, it's retrospective learning, but can you tell us about some of those signs, Matt, for the audience so that they understand? Well, it's like I, I was acting out of my ordinary self. Mm-hmm. So first, like sort of red flag is I'm an early riser, typically, you know, five five thirty up. I was up a lot later that morning. Secondly, uh, I was heaps into the gym. And as you said earlier, so, so many times the people that are the most upset, most depressed, they tend to present the best. I was definitely that. I posted this, this photo a week beforehand of me topless on, on, on Facebook. And, you know, I was mm-hmm. the biggest, most ripped person around at the time. I didn't have to toot my own horn, but really, like, I yes. worked so hard for it. And, um, yeah, posted that photo and everyone believed me. But Mm -hmm. here I am for the last year and a half going gym six days a week and now all of a sudden on a Saturday before I'm going to go on holidays, I'm potentially potentially going to miss a week of gym. I don't go. What Uh, do you mean? (laughs) Yeah, okay. Yeah. Like it makes no sense, right? And, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. So So it's those little things to be aware of and that, falls into that paying attention and knowing someone really well to see, okay, this is not okay. This is, this is not great. And one thing I was good at was brushing it off. I'm tired. Mm. I'm all right. I'm good. Just, you know, not feeling it today. And not just taking that surface answer as the answer, but yeah. maybe diving a little bit further with it. Maybe, addressing what you see, right? Because in that moment, you sense something's off. Don't just let that slide. Address that. Say, like, well, in in that example that I shared based on my story, Mm. hey, Matt, like, 
yeah, I mean, it doesn't sound like you. You. You've been going gym so consistently. Why would you miss a day or potentially missing a week of it? Yeah, but yeah, okay. Because that's not coming from a like a bad place by coming f- by having genuine intent of wanting to support someone else, uh-huh. and then then sharing something like that. It's actually, I th- I think a not not even more beneficial, but it's powerful. Yes, because you're helping them see themselves in that in that way as well. Definitely, um, Matt. We're talking about mental health uh, issues and, and mental health illness. What do you consider mental fitness means and why is that important for people to understand? Mental, mental fitness, similar to how physical fitness is, we need to be eating healthy. We need to be exercising, keeping our bodies physically fit. How about keeping our mind mentally fit? Mm-hmm. How can we increase our level of mental strength, understand and overcome our fears, you know, build mm-hmm. that muscle of resilience. Mm-hmm. But to sum up all those fancy words, just really what it means to bounce back when times get tough. Yeah. Because that's, that's our mental, that, that's what our mm-hmm. mental fitness really is. Mm-hmm. And there are many things we can do to strengthen that up within ourselves. Mm-hmm. One way it's not the best way. It's how I learn is through your own adversity. Mm. But we can avoid that route if we take the right steps and listen to the right people. Mm. Um, Matt, was that a key to you being um, healthy and whole again, was working on your mental fitness? For me, a big part of my recovery was learning the one thing that I needed to learn, which was mm. opening up which is a part of mental fitness. Yes. And then, yes, working on that as a whole. Now, don't get me wrong, at the time I didn't know what the hell mental fitness was. It didn't mean anything to me. Yeah. Held mental health I didn't want to talk about. (laughs) But when uh, when I was really improving that, that's when the recovery really began. Yeah. Now, I'm still in a wheelchair. Don't get me wrong. Hell, I'm yeah. in my standing frame right now. But yes, I know for not, not, not only do I know for a fact I'm going to be out of this thing, I know for a fact that this is the real healing up here. The Definitely. physical is just a byproduct. I was just going to say some of the advances in um, spinal cord injury around biotics, et cetera, et cetera, are incredibly exciting. So the thought that you will one day be walking because of those um, endeavours. And the other thing is too that there's a link between your mental healing and your bodily healing. And people underestimate the amount of work that you do on your your mind has a an impact on your body. So the more healthy your mind is, the better your mindset is, the more you allow yourself to be coached or mentored or, or have counseling. And I'll really admit, I still go and have a regular checkup with my psychologist. Do I need it? Not always. But yeah, I still make sure that I check in because I know for me that's important. It, 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 once you've had depression, anxiety and suicidal thoughts, you've got to be very aware that they can crop up again at 
inopportune times and for whatever mm-hmm. reason. And sometimes it's the smallest things that can tip you over to the over that edge that that have you saying uh, negative things to yourself, beating yourself up, um, being horrible to yourself. And you've actually, I have to actually do a check in again and go back and see my long term therapist and just go, this is what's going on, and and we'll work away and have techniques that help me get back on track again. But you've got to, once you've been to that situation, Matt, you've got to make sure that just like your bodily fitness, you've got to keep your brain fit. And that's part of your toolkit to keep your brain fit. Um, Matt, in talking about your family, I'm guessing that they've been on a journey too and had to learn a lot about um, mental health and uh, suicidal thoughts and, and that as well. How are they doing? My, my family now, they're doing really well. They really are. And I've, um, yeah, I'm blessed. To, I'm really blessed to say that. I know a lot of people that yeah. are in this, they've been in similar positions that I've been in. Their families can be like, can toxic. be really bad. Not, mm-hmm. not only toxic, but it can also have that ripple effect where it's now someone else falls into that dark hole as well. I'm Absolutely. very, I'm very grateful that what I went through actually brought me closer to my family. Oh, that's awesome. Really, really cool to say. And yeah. they, your greater family will now forever be aware of what to look for, etc., uh, etc. Et and that, that's the positive thing out of the whole situation because it's not just your nuclear family, it's your greater family and friend circle that now have an episode with which to understand and know how bad things can get if we don't check in with people. Definitely. And that was the biggest thing, actually mm. having these conversations. Yeah. Because they're, they're tough. Uncomfortable. They are, they're uncomfortable, God. (laughs) But to have them shows a level of, I would say, strength in the relationship because now you're showing your vulnerability. Yeah. And to show your vulnerability takes courage. Absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt. And we need more young men because you and I know that it's young men and men that are in the highest risk category for suicide um, and suicidal thoughts. And we need to be saving our young men. We, we need good young men filling the planet with their wonderful uniqueness. We don't want them popping off the earth because of this insidious mental health um, across our planet. And I think that we just need to keep talking. And Matt, that's part of what you do now and what you love doing is talking to young people, particularly those uh, in school and doing uh, workshops and um, that. Can you tell us about what this incident has led to for you in terms of your business and your and what you do? So I love, love running these workshops, whether it's, whether it's at high schools, whether it's at corporates, but yeah, in particular with high schools, there's that deeper layer that I resonate with because mm. a lot of what I've been through has been when I was that age, right? Yes. So 
I feel like I really understand where they're at. And, and when those I run emotions, these books, sorry, Matt, those emotions when you're a teenager are incredibly strong and powerful, aren't they? They are. And we can, it's, it's, it's like, for example, like <laughs> me, I felt mm. like I knew it all, but there was so much I was, I was yet to learn. Yes. And it's that awkward age when it's like, yeah, yeah, you feel like you have it all figured out, but there's so much waiting for you that you don't yet realize, mm-hmm. yet you think you've got the puzzle solved. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> so yeah. No matter what your perspective is, you feel like you've got it sorted. But with these, um, with these workshops that I run, yes, it's about mental fitness. Yes, it's about mental health, how we can bounce back, become strong and resilient. But at the crux of it all, what it's really about, like mm-hmm. the core behind it is always connection. Yes. That is a common theme that I have throughout all my workshops because that was the one thing that I needed when I was younger. And when I achieved that in my life, things really started to change drastically. And so what I'm finding, and it just popping up all the time, people are reaching out to me. And after my workshops, people are approaching me one-on-one all the time. Mm. And at the crux of the what they're experiencing, like what's really going on is that they're lacking connection, whether it be with themselves, whether it be with their, their loved ones, someone that they love. It's all about connection. I, 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 I'm, I'm fine. Definitely. Definitely. And it's good that you say, Matt, that it's not just about connection to others. It's, there's a big portion of work around connection to yourself, which includes self-love, self-appreciation, self-caring. Because even if you've got connection to others, if you're still beating yourself up about not doing well in an exam, not performing well in in a sporting event, all those things that are inherently important to teenagers, then it's not going to work. You might have connection to others, but if you're still not connecting to yourself in a loving way, um, it, it's still going to be a struggle, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that improves this is, mm. and uh, look, it's, it's a broad term. You hear it everywhere, but it's the yeah. truth, self-awareness. Yes. Absolutely. That, 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 that's our true power. Definitely. When we tap into that. Once you realize that certain circumstances make you angry, for instance, once you realize that if you put me in this situation, I'm going to feel angry. Once you realize that and have mm. self-awareness around that, that actually gives you the power to control that and manage it. If you're not aware of it and just think you're getting aggro and cranky about a certain situation, there's no capacity to manage. There's no capacity to change. There's no capacity to seek help. So it all stems from that, doesn't it, Matt? It does. It really does. Hell, like, let's talk about like just our emotions, like, like just as, yes. as, as, as an easy one. Mm. I've had a bottle here. I, I would show it, but l- l- mm. let's say... Like let, let's use a bottle as an example, right? Uh-huh. You have a, a, a liter bottle and yes. every time an emotion comes up is like the water level rising, right? Yes. And so when that water comes up and that liter 
let's say it's a bucket, right? Yeah. You you have two options. You can accept or you can suppress. Mm-hmm. Let's say you choose to suppress because that's what yeah. people, people typically that's like That's what they do. do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you say you put that fist into the water and what happens to the water? The water goes up even higher, right? Mm-hmm. So now the, the water level is higher i.e. the emotional intensity is a little bit higher. So yes. next time that, that emotion comes up, it's going to be that little bit more than what it was last time. Now, suppressing could look like anything. It could be drugs. It could be anger. It could be mm. escaping the emotions. Hell, by hanging out with friends. Like, that's a way to yeah. escape instead yeah. of dealing with it. But let's say you, each and every time it comes up, you suppress. It comes up, you suppress. It comes up, you suppress. And when that bucket gets to a leader, you have, uh-huh. again, two options except to suppress. But if you put your fist through that bucket, what's going to happen? Overflows. Overflows, makes a mess, and it spills. Now, mm. that overflow, that spill, that mess is going to happen to everything around the bucket. That's our yes. breaking point. Mm-hmm. Everyone's breaking point looks different. But the common thing about our breaking point is it always affects the people around us. It does. But that, that's suppressing. Let's say you choose to accept it on the other hand, mm-hmm. right? That water level comes up. You choose to drink the water. You accept the water, right? Mm. First, first, you're aware that there's water in that bucket. Self-awareness. Yes. Without the awareness, yes. you don't know what's going on. Yeah. You're aware, I'm feeling this way right now. So checking mm-hmm. in with yourself. Yeah. Choosing to accept that emotion, actually yes. allowing yourself to experience it. I'm angry and it's okay yes. to be angry. That's a normal human emotion. It's what you do with that anger. And as you said, Matt, if you suppress it, it's just going to get worse. It's just going to come up again. But if you go, ah, angry, not sure what that's about, and work out a plan to deal with that and go, yeah, I'm angry. Let me try and figure out why I'm angry. And then in the future, when you're angry again, you can go, oh, okay, I know what that's about now, and you can manage it better, can't you? Exactly. And there's, there's, there's one more step. So yeah. we're aware, we accept, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. what happens after we drink the water? What happens to the water? Mm. We let it go. <laughs> we go to the bathroom. We yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Oh, so my God, I've that? just um, – <laughs> I'm sorry, you're saying letting go, and I've got a vision of um, married at first last night no- – first sight last night and they needed to let a lot of stuff go <laughs> i'm sure we all do right <laughs> but so we have, we have to let it go so awareness acceptance mm. that last part authenticity being yeah. authentic about it and hell reaching out to someone that's that's a big part powerful and imagine if we were choose choosing to be aware, to accept, and to be authentic about our emotions all of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and if if we if you can teach that to teenagers before they get to 40, like me, they are going to be way better humans. They are going to be way better contributors to the world, and they're going to be happier, more connected adults, aren't they? Exactly. Mm, exactly mm, yeah. yeah i really really want this to be something that's out there because that's literally the one lesson I needed to learn was to open up yeah and it's that first step that no one takes or that no one wants to take mm. but to do so is such an act of courage but also mm. it makes you a lot stronger as a result yeah 
Matt, in talking to teenagers as often as you do, um, do you think that they are starting to understand some of the issues around um, mental health? Are they beginning to understand the importance of mental fitness? Are they understanding the importance of human connection? Do you think that the tide is turning in terms of education around mental health and mental health illnesses? It, I definitely feel it is, and oh, good. The, the thing, the, but the thing about mental health mm-hmm. and depression and mm. anxiety or whatever you have going on for you, yeah, because it's dictating your emotions mm-hmm. and our emotions being the most real experience about life, because that, that that's what feels true in yeah. in any moment. We typically succumb to them, and because mm-hmm. they seem real. We just don't. We, we not only re- reject anything that's opposing it, mm-hmm. but we we just keep ourselves boxed up. And so, while yes, things are getting better, someone who's caught in that space is just rejecting. If if, if people are saying, "Oh, go reach out, seek support," they're just going to give you the finger because, yes. <laughs> yes. right? Like maybe not physically, but in their mind, because. Yeah. You are not going to where they're at. Though, if you're able to reach them in a meaningful way, what I'm finding Mm. is at my workshops and, I mean, even talking about this, like, honestly, it gets me kind of emotional because I know this is what I needed when I was 12 because so many times I hear the same thing over and over, Matt, I've been feeling, thinking, and acting similarly to the way you were when you were younger. This is from adults and young people. This is not just young people. And you're the first person I've told. Yes. And so Mm -hmm. what that's saying to me is, okay, you've been been feeling, thinking, acting this way for what, five years or whatever. I'm the first person. I'm a complete stranger. But what I've done is I've opened up a space where it's okay where it's to not, not not only safe and able to talk about it, but I'm addressing it as it is. I'm not, and I, I use this word a lot, but I don't pussyfoot around. The thing no. is like, and I do share I, I, like my story as a way to open up my workshops because what it does, mm. it opens up a space where we're now able to talk about these things. And they're identifying if, those feelings and going, oh, I've felt a bit like that. Oh, I've that's gone through my head. So, and that's important, isn't it? Exactly. And just, and that, and because they've been reached at that level, they're now able to be. How, how I say it, like, in a way, somewhat guided. It's like, let's yes. say someone's stuck in a river uh-huh. and there's just mountains surrounding it. You're on top yes. of the mountain. You you just so happen to have this ladder, like this, like, just throw down. You throw down the ladder. You go down to where they're at and they're able to help them out of that boat yeah. or kayak or whatever, get them onto the ladder and help them guide them up. Now, you can't force them up that ladder. That's no. up to them. But what you can do is you can go to where someone's at, try to see, understand that part of empathy is so important. Yeah. And then help guide them up. Mm. You don't do the work. You just facilitate the journey. Yeah. Yeah. 
and, and it's important for that age group to to know that there is help there. Then they're, they're not alone. That there are people, there are um, places that they can can call. And um, I remember um, at being a teenager and thinking that there was nowhere to go and no one to talk to. I would hope mm. that teenagers today actually know and understand that there are places that they can go and that there are people that they can talk to. And this is the thing, right? Like it doesn't have to be professional. No. Because you just start with someone close to you. Yes. Whether that be your parents, your partner, your siblings, your friends, your neighbours, whoever mm. you have close to you. And if you feel like you don't have someone, mm. I wonder who in your life do you truly support? Think about that for a second. Mm. Who do you truly support? And if you were to flip that question on its head, would those mm. people support you? Yeah. Yeah. I think, Matt, yeah. Do you Sorry. think, do, do you think if you at that time, if you had understood some of these things that you would have talked to your parents or your best mate at all? Do you think if you had have felt that you could, you would have? It would have made a, compl- a big difference. And do I think I would have? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was yearning and just I was desperate for connection. I really was. Yeah. I, I, I went to the extremes to sort of achieve it. Yeah. Whether it be with myself or with other people, but I yeah, took those great lengths and if I felt like I could have definitely would. Yeah, yeah. And if if we're talking about um drugs, oftentimes the drugs are the thing that's trying to mask the pain or the conversation that you need to have. So sometimes it's actually the conversation will help uh to to guide someone not going down the route of drugs because it's easy and it's readily available um, to teenagers in particular. And so if you want to build resilient, strong teenagers, then you have to be checking in with them. Even if they're grumpy and moody and, and all the rest of it, you got to keep checking in. So we were talking about um, the – the fact that, you know, drugs are easily yes. escape and yeah. So this is the thing. If we're having these conversations, so if you're a parent and you're having these conversations with your teens, because the thing is, okay, yeah, mental health is something that's uncomfortable to talk about. It is. But the, also the, the conversation around drugs is also uncomfortable. No mm. one wants to, no one to think that their 13 year old son or daughter is going out. Contemplating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's scary. And so I um, want to encourage those conversations because what it allows mm. for is the not only depth of connection to be strengthened, mm-hmm. but also for now you being able to address these uncomfortable topics. There's yes. so many of them. Yeah. And, I mean, the list goes on, right? you got your mental health and your drugs and your sex. And then you, yes. <laughs> the list just goes on. It but does. To have these conversations is crucial. Mm. Mm. And if they feel supported at home, imagine yes. 
they were going to mum and dad. Yes, hey, versus. I was, I was offered, you know, ice today mm. at a party versus their mates. Because mm. it has know. to be a pretty strong teenager in that instance that says no when everyone else is doing it, doesn't it? Like, teenage years are really tough. Matt, this whole experience of attempted suicide has opened up a whole uh, industry and business for you. I want to know what drives your passion now and what you like doing the most at this point in life. Nothing excites me more than running workshops. Yeah. Nothing brings me as much, like, energy. I mean, yesterday I spoke at a a school not not too far from me and I, um, yeah, like, hey, I I didn't really get a whole lot of sleep the night before, but (laughs) it didn't matter. I was was energised. I was awake. And that was without coffee. (laughs) But but the school of very. Um, the school of very kind, Mariah College, they mm. offered me a coffee when I was there. As I oh, remember, good. So. Okay, <laughs> excellent. But, yeah, there's that. I um, I, I really love that. And, yes. yeah, sorry, I forgot the rest of your question. I'm no, no, and, and um, it's obvious the way that you respond to that question that it's teenagers and young people that you're really passionate about but you also work with corporations and 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 um businesses to talk about um these topics as well but i can see in you the excitement you get from talking to teenagers and i'm guessing that there's a real positive response from your workshops within schools schools have really responded well though yes in terms of the corporate world, they've mm-hmm. like, they've only really come on board. I would say in the last twelve months, and ah. I've and so it is somewhat newer to me. Although what I'm seeing is it's no different. No, it's, it's it, not. It's just That's... the same issues represented in they're a just older. Fashion. Mm-hmm. Just <laughs> older, and sometimes they're better at hiding what's going on because some some of those uh ceos and that are hiding a lot of stress and discomfort and and all of that whereas teenagers if you can get in front of them and engage with them they are actually more liable to open up and and talk to you because you you know you're an engaging young man and and um how do schools, if there's someone listening, if there's a principal, a teacher happens to be listening today, how, what's the best way to get in contact with you, Matt, and ask about your workshops and programs? Yeah, my website is the best way, www.mattcaruana.com. So that's M-A-T-T-C-A-R-U-A-N-A.com. If you are a social media person, my Instagram is Matt Shares, Facebook is Matt Shares on FB. LinkedIn mm-hmm. is Matthew Caruana and other way. The website's the best place. I know I was looking at your website again the other day and um, looking at, you know, you've got your speaking and, and all your media and, and stuff there. So you're readily um, available to people. You go across the country, Matt. Like I know we've had two years of, of COVID, but you would normally travel across uh, the country to do your workshops, wouldn't you? I'm extremely excited because, I mean, I've, I've, I've actually got a flight to Melbourne very Yay! soon. Yeah, to speak out, <laughs> speak out the school awesome. out there. 
And I. Oh, fantastic. I, yeah, so I, yes, I live in Sydney, but no, I, I've worked all across Australia and I'm all about mm. making this message, bringing it to everyone because it's universal. Yeah. yeah. And so. And I, as I said before, I can see the passion you have for, for teenagers and, and I share that with you because if you can talk to someone at 12 and, and, um, avert those feelings of worthlessness and those tentacles of depression. And I like to describe them as tentacles because once they start embedding in your mind, they're like the tentacles of an octopus and they just get in there. If you can prevent that from happening to a teenager, you have um, amazing options as an adult and you prevent tragedy. You know, there's, there's nothing more tragic than a teenager feeling that they've got nowhere to go and that that pain, they just want it to stop. And the only way that they think that they can get it to stop is via suicidal attempt. And we need to get to those kids before that happens. It's incredibly important. I couldn't agree more. And imagine if they're having this conversation as a young teenager, even as a kid, what seed are we planting then? And what can that then grow to? Yes. And what can that then grow for your relationship with them? Yes, absolutely. And just that for them to know, and if there's any teenagers happen to be listening, although they're probably in school, um, that there is always someone out there that will listen to you. There will be someone. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure that if you wanted to email Matt, he would respond and go, this is the way forward for you. Can't, you know, you've lived this experience, you've survived this experience, and you're here to tell the story and say, don't let it get to that point. Don't feel it's hopeless. And it goes for adults too. Don't allow yourself to get to that point where it feels completely hopeless, where you feel like you've got no other option. There are always options. And the other thing to remember, Matt, is that the thoughts in your head are just thoughts they're not reality they're not what's going to make your life they're just thoughts and if you don't attach uh, attach action to the thoughts they remain thoughts and you can manage them and you can control them and there's ways that you can do that isn't there Matt yep there absolutely is and by not actioning those thoughts you become mm-hmm. greater than them already. correct Correct. And sometimes it's just stopping in that moment and going, oh, that's not a great thought and going, okay, that's just a thought that doesn't make it true. How do I stop thinking this way? How do I manage these thoughts? How do I get them out of my brain? How do I deal with what's going on in my head? And that's by connection and talking to someone. And, um, Please make sure you do that. Whether you're a child, a teenager, or an adult, talk to someone. Hey, Matt, like that's the key, isn't it? It's the first step. Yeah, yeah. Now, Matt, before we run out of time, I want to quickly ask you about your hopes, dreams, and desires for the future. What does it look like for you, Matt? I... uh... I, I'm really big on this and I see myself traveling internationally regularly yes. to facilitate workshops. 
Mm. I'm going to be having a book coming out. Yay! Um, We've talked about this previously, but um, I'm really excited that Matt's continuing (laughs) to do this. It's very exciting. It's not going to be my first book, but um, so it's not going to be my only book, sorry. That's going to have more, definitely going to have more. I've, um, yeah, this first one's going to be about my story. But Mm. yeah, I'm in the process of looking for publishers, though Mm. that's professionally. But personally, the biggest thing that excites me, kids. Yes. I don't know why. I, I, down the line, I'm, I'm definitely going to have kids. <laughs> and I'm blessed even with my injury. I know I can. So Awesome, awesome, yeah. awesome. So can I ask you live on air, is there someone special in your life? Not right now, no. Ah, girls! <laughs> This is a plug for Matt. If you want the most amazing young man on the planet, contact Matt now. Now, this is not a dating show. This is a business show, but I couldn't recommend a lovelier, more decent, more authentic young man than Matt, who certainly has a heart of gold and a passion to make a difference in the world. Matt, we are completely out of time. I've adored having you on the show. I know that we will keep having conversations um, over the course of your life. I really value the fact that you've been vulnerable enough to share with us so authentically today. I love the work that you're doing. I can't wait to read the book and thank you so much for coming on Everyday Business today. Thank you very much, Tony. I truly appreciate this opportunity. This might not be a dating show, but business is sexy. (laughs) That's exactly right. And we want you going (laughs) traveling all around the world. So we want people to hear Matt's voice over in the US, in the UK, Canada, all over the place. Um, Matt, thank you so much. And that, my audience, is your lot for this week. We'll be back next week. I'm your host, Tony Lontis, and this is The Everyday Business Show. We'll be back again next week. Thanks, Matt. Bye for now, everyone. Thank you, Tony. I fail from my entire female nation, I call it. Is that possible?